This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Back once again, not with my co-host uh, this week, Dan Murphy. He's on assignment. In a little bit, I'm going to be joined by contributing writer uh, Kevin McElvaney, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. It's a really exciting, busy time in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, we are now just days away from the launch of AEW on TNT, and uh, with that, the beginning of what a lot of people are calling the new wrestling war, the Wednesday night war, as it is with NXT uh, debuting on USA last week. They'll have a couple of shows under their belt before they take on AW in a couple uh, days here. I was going to say a couple of weeks, but it's a lot closer than that now. Uh, so Kevin and I are going to be kind of uh, doing sort of the tail of the tape of this uh, late, latest wrestling war and kind of preview uh, what would we expect to see from both sides uh, coming up. Uh, it really is a kind of uh, earth-shaking, monumental uh, shift in the the wrestling landscape. Coincides, obviously, also with uh, SmackDown going over to uh, Fox on Friday nights. So, really, it, it is not uh, overstating things to say that the wrestling world is really changing as we know it uh, more than uh, any time, I, I think, in... Well over a decade, I think you got to go back to certainly uh, WCW being around uh, to the last time. There was so much going on, so much potential for real kind of a, a seismic shift in the wrestling uh, universe. And uh, Kevin and I will be talking about that. Uh, certainly, we, we've been talking about it a lot in, in the, the months and weeks leading up to it. Uh, but, but we'll give some kind of last minute thoughts before the first Wednesday night showdown. Uh, and also cover other uh, current events, lots going on. Then later we're going to be hearing from someone who's been making a lot of news in his own right, Davey Boy Smith Jr., uh, one of the rising stars of Major League Wrestling, which is another promotion that uh, very much is making a splash on the national wrestling scene. We got to talk several weeks ago and covered a lot of topics from why he chose to go over uh, to MLW, uh, what led to his falling out with uh, New Japan, and I think he's pretty candid and honest about some of the problems uh, he had there. Uh, growing up in a wrestling family, you know, his, his he talks a bit about his thoughts watching his dad's old matches and and um, how how he can do that. Whether that's something that's difficult for him to do, watching his uh, his pop on uh, the TV screen. And uh, also talks a bit about kind of just growing up in a wrestling family and, and what, if any, lessons he can impart to uh, some of the people that he's working with uh, that are, are members uh, of another wrestling family in MLW, whether it's uh, Brian Pillman Jr. or uh, the other members of the New Heart Foundation. That is his uh, group there in MLW. Uh, right now, let me tell you about uh, something huge for us, and it is the PWI 500. It's the biggest issue just about that we put out uh, all year. Uh, you should have it in your mailbox now if you are a subscriber, uh, or you might have it already on your laptop or your phone if you're a digital uh, subscriber. If you're not, the thing to do is go to pwi-online.com. I don't have to tell you if you are a fan of the magazines. The PWI 500 is about uh, the biggest thing we do all year. It is certainly the magazine that I think gets us the most attention, the most buzz. Sometimes the attention 
is not so great. You know, you put out a list of, of anything and inevitably you're going to have naysayers, detractors, people who disagree with uh, the rankings. Uh, I think by and large, people think we got it mostly right this year. Uh, Seth Rollins is on the cover of the magazine. He is our number one ranked wrestler in the, uh, what is it, 29th annual PWI uh, 500. He becomes only the fifth person, I believe, uh, to be ranked number one more than once. Uh, still hasn't made number three. Only John Cena has done that. Uh, but there's there's tons in this magazine. There's, uh, I think, about 70 pages uh, of content just about the PWI 500 from our feature uh, article, Talking to Seth. I got, I got the chat with him. You might have hear, heard of that here on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, talking about him you know, accomplishing this, a huge feat. And, you know, he he's talks a lot. Uh, I, I heard him on, on Monday Night Raw uh, very often. He's been saying now that calling himself the best wrestler in the world or the, the best wrestler on the planet. And I can't help but think that that might be a reference to uh, his ranking on this year's PWI 500. So thanks, Seth. We appreciate the plug. Uh, and there's 499 other people to go through here on, on the PWI 500. If you listen to, just a, a quick side note, because uh, it comes to mind, uh, Dan Murphy was on Chris Jericho's podcast uh, talking about kind of the history of the PWI 500. That was a whole lot of fun uh, to listen to, so definitely go check that out. Um, and check out the PWI 500. The thing to do, again, is go to pwi-online.com. If you want just the one issue, we certainly understand. If, you know, it, it is probably the, if fans don't buy another issue all year, this is probably the one that they buy. So we certainly understand. But we encourage you to check out all the other great work that we're doing from uh, the report cards to the PWI poll to the Women's 100, which is the next issue, kind of the female counterpart to the PWI 500. Before you know it, we'll have the Achievement Awards. Uh, we're, we're looking at another a big issue coming up in, in the next several months, looking at the decade in wrestling. We're coming up on the end of a decade. So there's so much um, going on here at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. We hope you'll check us out. Keep supporting us as you have been for the last 40 years. And the way to do that is to go to PWI dash online.com uh while you've got that computer open please follow us on twitter at official pwi send us an email at pwi at kappa publishing.com is that right yes and uh what else buy the pro wrestling illustrated t-shirt it is uh back after many many years and you can pick it up that iconic logo emblazoned on a t-shirt uh you know i think the the most Popular one is the red shirt with the white lettering. That's what I have. But you can get all different kinds of color combinations if you like. And the place to go for that is ProWrestlingTees.com. All right. Joined now by PWI contributing writer Kevin McElveney. How are you, Kevin? Doing well. Good to be here. Good. Thanks for joining me. And uh, we are talking on a particularly newsworthy uh, week or, or last few days here leading up to uh, the, de- the debut of AEW on TNT. I think the show is officially now called Dynamite, which I guess had been rumored uh, for some time. Uh, curious to get your thoughts here in the final days, the lead up to uh, the first kind of showdown uh, next Wednesday. Now, by then, we'll have a couple of uh, NXT episodes on USA uh, all- already done. Uh, how are you feeling about how both sides are kind of primed for the first battle? Well, first of all, that I, I do have to comment on that name. It's a little bit, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I, maybe deliberately sort of a throwback to, to Nitro? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if they're they're trying to kind of remind fans uh, of, of yeah. wrestling on TNT 
about Nitro. Not sure if that's the best strategy, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I, th- that was kind of my thought, too. Um, and, of course, the pun on TNT. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, Nitro was for that matter, too. Um, but the actual product, I mean, I'm excited all around. I mean, there, there's a lot to love on both shows. NXT obviously has been great for a long time, and I think especially as of late, like heading into this, they've really just been firing on all cylinders and just going all all in to use that to use that word. Didn't mean to do that so quickly, but uh, yeah, NXT was was great last 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 week when we we're talking this uh, uh, having this conversation. Right, the first week. Uh, the, yeah, the first week on uh, USA. And I mean, AEW, it's, it's been great that the shows they've put on so far been really entertained by what they've been doing. I mean, really it's, they're just getting started. So I think a lot of that is just, and really on both sides, it's the excitement and, and the possibility for both brands and just looking forward to this showdown as much as anybody else is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the rhetoric I think has heated up in the last several days too. Part of it was, uh, Triple H's media conference call after the first week of NXT last week, where inevitably a lot of the questions had to do with AEW. I think they're sticking with kind of the official position, sort of diplomatic, above it all. Um, you know, we're doing different things. We don't really care what they do on on that channel with, what do they call it, the uh, the startup or whatever it is, that, that uh, kind of a reductive term they have for for AEW. And blood and guts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, their actions say differently, right? I mean, look, NXT has been around for a number of years on uh, the WWE Network. You know, the the, the legend always was that Vince McMahon maybe never even saw an episode of NXT. uh, And then AEW moves to Wednesday night on TNT, the the home of, of... Nitro, the big kind of competitor to Raw for all those years. And sure enough, right after they announced that, WWE announces that NXT is moving over um, on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, up against AEW uh, on USA. So how much do you sense that uh, WWE is concerned? Are, are they shaking in their boots? Are they in a panic? <laughs> um, or, or is it less than that? I'd say less than that. I mean, they're they're concerned. I, the to say that this wasn't a response is, is absurd. I, I do think eventually we would have seen NXT on USA or on some other cable network, uh, just because it was it had established itself so much as a brand. But the timing, come on, that's that's stinks out loud to say that that's not. Uh, plus, in addition to that, you had the fight for the Fallen show that AEW put out, and then that same night evolve live on the right. WWE network. So, of course, they're responding, and I, I don't think they're necessarily. Um, shaking their boots so much as thinking, okay, well, I mean, we have to we have to meet this with our own uh, product because if we don't, people are going to wander over and check this out. So they're just trying to sort of head it off in a pass and at the pass, and I I don't know how well that's going to going to work because I think a lot of people are going to be tuning in to see AEW, and I mean, I'm sure they're going to put something really compelling on NXT that night so that people would not be tempted to tune in, but. Yeah, we'll see what that is. Yeah, and I, I've been writing about some of this for the next issue. I'm, I'm working on uh, a feature, kind of looking at different aspects of this new wrestling war, and I, I kind of made the same point. On one hand, it's sort of WWE warfare, promotional warfare 101 to do stuff like this, right? Whether you go back to Jim Crockett Promotions and them um, booking the first Survivor Series to go up against Starcade. 
uh, a few months later to that, putting the Royal Rumble up against their bunkhouse stampede, which was uh, a, WWE, a WCW pay-per-view back in 1988. Uh, so they're certainly not above counter-programming, right? Uh, no. And, and, but I think as it did then, what could happen now is, and I think Cody Rhodes talked about this, is that you know whatever the intended effect is, what could end up happening is that you bring more fans out altogether because the curiosity is peaked uh, as far as well what you know what is this on this other channel that could be uh, so compelling, so important to cause WWE and Vince McMahon to boot to move NXT to USA. This has got to be something. So uh, it you know how, how many other wrestling shows have have come and gone, whether uh, it was Impact or. You know, Ring of Honor or all the other shows that have been on cable over the years, uh, none of them ever uh, seriously drew a response from WWE. You could argue that WWE kind of responded to Impact moving on Monday nights, uh, at least that first week where they had their big Brett Sean reunion on Raw. But otherwise, they've kind of ignored them. But this is a reaction, right? This is uh, WWE sure. doing something. And what that could serve to do is is tell fans... Uh, send that message out that yeah, th- this this new upstart promotion on the other channel is a big deal, you know, and and might actually draw some fans to them. So uh, that's one thought I've had, and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, just you know, I listen a lot to the to the uh, the Conrad Thompson podcast where it's a lot of kind of throwback stuff to the Monday Night Wars, and you forget what a crazy time it was and how many people were watching wrestling every Monday night with those two combined audiences. Uh, it was so huge, and it was such a great, fun time to be uh, a wrestling fan of, of either promotion that I certainly hope that's what happens here. Yeah, I think you could see something like that on a much smaller scale, right? I mean, for for one thing, most people don't watch – I shouldn't say most people. Far fewer people catch everything live anymore. It's not – appointment TV is not the thing it used to be. You could make an argument for, for live programming being like that. Um, I think it was a very different TV landscape back during the Monday Night Wars, but I think the principle is the same. People will get excited because there's this buzz around, well, oh, there's a lot of good wrestling out there right now, right? Yeah. And I, th- yeah. and I think that was a lot of what that was. I think there were some other things at play. You know, obviously the Attitude Era, and then there were some similar elements on Nitro, and that sort of coincided with, you know, Jerry Springer and South Park and the rise of all that. So there were a lot of other things that I think made wrestling so popular during that time frame, but you can't sell short just how much of it was the the product and the, and the the wrestlers that were on television and the and the rivalries and i think if they could even just happen to a portion of that we're all going to be better for it yeah the other takeaway from the monday night wars uh, as far as how it applies to uh, right now is that it could take a long time for for both shows both companies to really kind of hit their stride uh, in this war where they're putting their best foot forward. I mean, watch the first several weeks uh, or, or months or, or even year or more of Nitro versus Raw. Uh, you know, WCW out of the gate was, was red hot that first Nitro and uh, the right. Mall of Americas in Minnesota, and they had a lot of hot shotting. But past that, those early Nitros were not all that great. They weren't, you know, that much to, to write home about. They, they did create a, a new look that I think, you know, is is still relevant. You you still see influences from that 
on on Raw and and even in AEW as far as the look of of live television programming. But it wasn't that they were kind of setting the world uh, on fire week in and and week out. That happened a while later with the NWO and and that kind of thing. And uh, even less so in on Raw. I mean, Raw didn't do very much uh, to to really kind of try to catch up or compete with uh, WCW for a long while. I mean, you've got to go kind of years later until when Steve Austin really started picking up steam. So there may be only so much to take away. As, as much as all there's this uh, curiosity and anticipation for the first weeks uh, of this battle, it could be a while before you really start seeing uh, both promotions put their best foot uh, forward, I would say. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, I think that's something that everyone should keep in mind if in a few weeks people are, well, well you know what, this really didn't blow up the way we thought it was going yeah. to. Well, you know, it takes time. And I think you're going to see these products evolve a lot um, as they go head-to-head with each other. There's just a lot of interesting dynamics here because you're going to watch NXT be presented as this. They can't present it as a minor league option really because uh, that's going to tell people not to tune into it if it's a, a two uh i think there was this perception that like well wwe is going to throw its developmental product for lack of a, a better term up against aew and it's low effort on their part but of course it's not like that everyone re- really knows that nxt is this amazing product and the developmental is what happens before people are on television right. and so there, there's just a lot of interesting things i mean they can just say that we're trying this out and we're going to see how it goes but I, I think secretly they're hoping for really big things from it and i think you'll see nxt you know hopefully develop as this third viable brand that most people are are thinking about because I, I think that does get lost that not everybody who's in the arenas every week is watching nxt right now and, and i think that goes for aw as well and i think that's for one sure. thing that um some fans in the wrestling bubble are kind of missing. And, uh, you know, if, if you're a certain kind of fan, a hardcore fan, you you know who Kenny Omega is and you know who the Young Bucks are and Adam Page and, and all that. And uh, But, you know, I, I had uh, kind of an interesting interaction with, with a friend of mine who, very casual fan, I think who watched wrestling uh, back during the height of Monday Night Wars, uh early 40s, that kind of thing. He saw a commercial, you know, on TNT, and he said, you know, what is this? What is this new league that, that's coming out? Uh, you know, and I told him about AEW, who they were. He asked some names who were associated with them. He, I don't think he knew any of them. I think maybe Chris Jericho, he knew. Yeah, that I think kind of people thing. know Chris Jericho generally, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's really telling, right? Because, you know, Kenny Omega said something uh, that got a lot of play over the last week where he talked about how uh, they have the real stars. They're going to put out the real stars. And uh, I'm, I'm somewhat paraphrasing, but NXT is full of, you know, green developmental talent that if they were in AEW, they'd be working the opening match, that kind of thing. Uh, first of all, I, I mean, I think that's just not true when you look yeah. at, at who uh, – I mean, you put those two rosters face-to-face, and it's certainly close. And you could make the argument that NXT is, is better – and if not better, has more of that name recognition, if only because they're affiliated with WWE, right? So uh, I think the reality is mainstream fans know a Johnny Gargano, know an Adam Cole uh, more than they know even the Kenny Omega because of the affiliation with WWE, because they've appeared on on Raw and uh, the, the big takeover shows and that kind of thing. Uh, that carries uh, a, a lot of weight. Uh, but I... Th- think it's a real problem on AEW's end, and I think it's just something that's kind of coming coming to light right now, 
all the work rate in the world that you could have only goes so far. You need some name recognition, and I think it might be kind of a wake-up call uh, how much fans, really, mainstream fans, really don't know who, who very many of these people are. I think that is true to to, to a certain extent, uh, for sure. WWE, of course, has far more name recognition, again, outside of... I think Chris Jericho is more recognizable than a lot of the upper echelon WWE guys at this point, just because yeah. of the stuff he's done outside of wrestling. His band has gotten increasingly popular. Uh, he's appeared on television shows. So you have Jericho, but it's not only him. If you do look at Kenny Omega, you look at Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, they have recognition because they had their T-shirts and Hot Topic. Again, it's not the same level of you know millions of people watching on television, right? But it is something. It's not. It's not. And this is not a knock on Ring of Honor at all. But if Ring of Honor were to try this, yeah, I think the Ring of Honor roster and the the name. I mean, AEW as a name brand doesn't have the national recognition yet. Um, but the Ring of Honor roster doesn't have that purely because they don't have these these commercial tie-ins. You don't see them around malls. You don't see people necessarily wearing the t-shirts everywhere. And I think that that has to go a certain amount of distance, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think it goes as far as you'd think. I mean, I think sometimes, again, when you're in that bubble, sure. uh, it could be misleading. I mean, I think of, uh, I don't know, go to like a big monster truck show or something like that. And right. the, the big monster truck championship finals of the year and, and maybe every monster truck fan from the United States kind of gathers around for this one event and you can fill a stadium. And if you're there, you have the impression, wow, monster trucks are so huge. Look how big and popular and relevant they are. But but outside of that, uh, you know, the reality is that every not everybody who's a fan, but a big chunk of the fan base is right there. And uh, I think in between these the the big destination shows they've done like all in or double or nothing um and you know the the hot topic stuff uh the the being the the elite on youtube i think uh it could it could mask things a little bit where fans could think wow look how popular and huge they are but in in the larger kind of landscape that's really not that big a number when you're talking primetime cable television uh, what what does that translate to? So we'll see. I'm, I'm not saying they're not going to uh, do well, but I think that um, expectations do maybe need to be tempered a little. And and another point I'll make is, um, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, I feel like over the, the last year, right, there have been uh, a lot of times where AW felt like it had a lot of momentum going for it. And uh, I feel like right now, which is where where they really need to be peaking, it's feeling a little flat. I mean, part of it is that it's been a few weeks since their last show, but I also think that um, that last show, that was all out, right? Um, right, was a little bit of a letdown for a lot of people, right? I mean, I, I think it, was, it wasn't a bad show, but I think it was uh, a disappointing show for a lot of people. Uh, a, a lot of the things that they built up a lot fell a little flat. I think the, the World Championship pitcher... Uh, Chris Jericho and, and Adam Page, the match was just kind of there, um, and you know it just feels like they they haven't peaked at the right time, and uh, I think there's some real questions going forward. So there was part of that is NXT, right? So there was a thought: Does uh, NXT debuting a couple weeks before AEW help or hurt them? 
because by the time that uh, AEW comes around, now fans have already kind of seen an NXT. It's not that new. You could afford to miss a week, that kind of thing. But the flip side of that is that they'll have a few weeks of really compelling television where fans get caught up in their storylines and their characters and want to see them versus AEW that hasn't had a really big platform outside of you know really YouTube uh, since their last pay-per-view to really get the word out. Yeah, I think you brought up a bunch of interesting things there, yeah, and thank you for right. mentioning, <laughs> and thank you for uh, mentioning being the elite, of course, and and the the big arena shows because they are relevant. Um, but as you said, they don't necessarily translate into weekly television numbers. Um, I mean, I think you could make a similar similar argument for WWE. They can pack out WrestleMania once a year, and I, and I, I'm not. This is not a direct comparison because obviously WWE is at a different level, but you know they're not necessarily filling up their arenas every week. And I think in general, the mainstream wrestling fandom is not as big as we assume it to be, right? Yeah, and sure. And I think AEW will get a portion of that. It's a niche product, but I think there are fans out there, and I think over time they'll tap into more of that fan base. They'll tap, tap into more of – like I think there are people who would get into AEW who are like via nerd culture, for lack of a better term. Um who yeah. would be exposed. And I, I mean, I, I have some friends who were not all that into wrestling until a few years ago and they love NXT as well. Um, but they're starting to get more into it and they're not necessarily watching Raw and SmackDown every week, but they're tuning into these shows. And I think that's significant too. Not, not because millions of people are going to watch, but I think it's significant in other ways. Yeah. And I think there's, there's an audience to be had there. And, and these days, a lot of times with, it's not so much about drawing these huge TV ratings anymore. Right. So, if you look at something like The Good Place, I'll use that as an example. Good Place is critically acclaimed, acclaimed. A lot of people love that show. It's not setting the ratings world on fire. And granted, it's maybe a bad example because it's the last season's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great show, and I think it has its fans and it has its passionate fans who are going to follow it. And they'll go and they'll watch every week. They'll talk about it, and they'll get the buzz out there and the word out there. And then gradually more people start watching the show, and it gets awards. And – I think you're going to see something similar happen with both these products, really, with NXT and with AEW over the over the course of time, and especially if there becomes something like uh, it's easy to stream uh, Dynamite after the fact, at, or if there's an app at some point. I think that would make, that would go a long way as well. Yes, it, it's not the the Monday Night Ratings Wars of, of 20 years ago. Fans have different ways of consuming. Um, the the wrestling content WWE obviously makes that point all the time as a way to kind of justify why their ratings have have slid so much relative to they were years ago. Um, but you look at like their YouTube uh, viewers and they're they're through the roof. Oh, yeah. So there is something to that. All that said, I I do think um, AW needs to be careful here in not uh, being too overconfident. Because I think that they can look to all the metrics that you pointed out from, uh, you know, again, just just sort of how how big their following has gotten, how how popular they are with a certain uh, segment of the fan base that is really important that WWE has had a, a hard time really tapping into kind of youth culture, you know, nerd culture, and 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 you use that endearingly because it's it's not a bad thing. It's definitely it's, it's a fans that you know uh, fill San Francisco for for Comic Con every, every year. Uh, this, this is a huge San Diego, huge audience. I think. San Diego. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I, I'm obviously not part of that culture. <laughs> um, 
and, and so you you want to get them right, but again, they've got to be careful in being uh, overconfident because uh, I I think the reality is that there are some problems in AW's uh, product as it is now, and and understanding that. We don't even know what their weekly pro- television product is going to be week to week, but there sure. there is a lot to be learned from what we've seen on pay per view and all the other kind of platforms they've had social media in the last several weeks. And I got to say, having watched all their pay per views up until now, there are some real uh, points of concern for me uh, in terms of, uh, and and some of these are problems that a lot of promotions have fallen into. I, I do think there's there's two many wrestlers doing the same thing, right? So on any given AEW show, there might be four different tag team matches um, featuring kind of cruiserweight-style action, wrestlers who are maybe, you know, 150 to 185 pounds doing just wild, crazy, innovative spots. Um, and, you know, it all there's a sameness to it, right? I mean, whether you're talking... Uh, you know, best friends or uh, young bucks or uh, you know a couple other uh, uh, teams that that uh, Angelico and and Jack uh, what's his name Evans yeah Jack Evans yes again is there a huge difference between those three teams and that's just three I could point out a few more there's a lot of teams doing well or, I, mean, or a lot I would of, argue, uh, I would acts argue doing that. the same thing and meanwhile and I think it's part of why uh, Cody Rhodes work on AW has been so great and he's been so standout is that he is doing something different than, than everyone else when everybody else is just kind of doing. And again, I don't, I don't mean to diminish it, but it is a certain type of, uh, uh, high spot oriented wrestling that it gets to be, for me, it gets to be too much. I can, and I know I'm not the only one I, you know, I, I, I know talking to Dan, uh, he feels the same way about a lot of two. I mean, a, a little young bucks goes a long way, uh, for me, but then there's so much of it on the show, and Cody Rhodes is kind of the only one that's doing his own thing, more kind of storyline-driven, uh, uh, storytelling, emotional wrestling, not as kind of high-spot-oriented, uh, and uh, there aren't a lot of Cody Rhodes, and beyond that, you know, there, there's just, I don't think there's a big, diverse mix of styles in AEW, under, understanding that they're still building their roster, yeah. that's got to be something that they look at going forward. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's a, there's a point th- there that's, that's valid, but at the, at, you do have a lot of the, that style, maybe more of that style of wrestling than NXT does, even though NXT does have for sure. It's fa- It's fair share of that, which yes. is really what we need to be comparing it to not to raw or SmackDown, which that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, and I think if you look at the AEW roster, I think it's a lot more diverse in terms of styles and, uh, personalities than you're, give, than you're giving a credit for. I don't think Kenny Omega is a high spot guy. I think if you look at his matches that he's put on in the past couple of years, he is an emotional storytelling guy. He just tells a different type of story. So you have him, for example, you have Chris Jericho. Nobody's going to call Chris Jericho a high spot no. guy anymore. You know, 20 years ago for sure, but not right now. And then if you look at Adam Page, Adam Page, not a high spot guy. He's more of a, a I mean, granted, he, he, get, he has those elements in there. But he's more of an old school style, if, I, if I've ever seen it, both in terms of his character. I mean, he came to the ring on a horse, for God's sake. So, like, there's that. I think if you look, 
I mean, even at the tag team division, the best friends, yeah, sort of high spots. I think the I, tag team division is is where it stands out the most. I see yeah, a lot of sameness I, among the tag teams. And you throw Pentagon and Phoenix in there. Sure. Another one. But I think you have a lot of strong characters in there. And I think you have the Young Bucks. I mean, uh, uh, the wrestling style aside, their characters are very unique and they stand out. Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix, of course, have their have very strong characters as well. The best friends are they're hysterical. Um, so I think you have a lot of charisma in that division, and I think the characters stand apart if the wrestling style is kind of similar sometimes. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. A point you just made that I do want to touch on is uh, something that I've thought a lot about too, is this question about who is it that AEW is competing with? On, on Wednesday night, it's NXT, right? So sure. the temptation is to just compare those two, but... I don't know if that's really the right comparison. I mean, I think the 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 competition is is all of WWE because you know NXT is just a brand under this you know gargantuan uh, wrestling conglomerate, right? Um, and they can move pieces around as they wish, and and ultimately, uh, yes, you know, the show that they might be going against is NXT. But it has all the resources and all the backing of of WWE proper, and uh, that is that's a, a pretty you know big competitor to take on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think long term that's what you're looking at, but short term you have to think about the ratings. And if the ratings aren't there, the show's not going to survive. Yeah. So short term, it's NXT. Uh, but I, I mean, I think I, I don't know. There, it's it's going to unfold the way it's it's going to unfold. I, I don't think. It's fair to say AEW has to get the ratings. Even NXT has right out of the gate. I think it just has to stand on its own and develop a following. And then from there, we'll see where it goes. Yes, I agree. And, and I think that's the case for, for both. You know, as much as we talk about uh, these wars and so much is made of it by fans, ultimately, uh, both sides just have to put on the best show for them, right? And right. Uh, uh, you can only worry so much about what the other side uh, is doing. What do uh, both AEW and uh, NXT have to do that first week that they're head-to-head? What do you expect from either show? I think that both shows need to start strong and end strong. You remember the first song of the night at the concert. You remember the last night of the song at the concert. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this big live event uh, television. And then you have these the premiere for AEW. This, I guess it'll be the third NXT show at that point in USA. Right. And both shows need to stand out and they need to to make the impact. They need to get people to tune in again next week. I think you'll see probably some debuts, some twists, maybe some title changes on NXT. Although, I mean, we just had a title change on NXT, yeah. so I don't know. Um, but that doesn't mean it'll stay where it is. So I, I think you'll need to see some big moves made on the first night. And uh, we'll we'll see how people react to them. And I'm sure we'll all be talking about it the next day. What and I that's worry- what they want. Yeah, what I worry about for NXT, especially if if it becomes more on the radar, Vince McMahon, is that he falls back into um, hegemony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know we see Roman Reigns next week on NXT. You know, challenging for the NXT title, that kind of thing. Um, you know, they just fill it up with star power. It, it's what has has pretty much brought the supposed brand split to where it is now. Where Anybody could show up on any show, just pack each one with as much star power as you can. And uh, because it's developmental, because there aren't that many recognizable stars, because it's in front of a few hundred fans uh, in the Performance Center in uh, Florida, 
I, I do wonder how much NXT changes in the coming months and whether ultimately uh, those changes for the better or not. Yeah, I mean, I think it will have to, right? Because not, nothing... Ultimately, WWE wants some level of consistency in their product. I think you could argue even NXT today versus NXT a few years ago. Um, it's it's a lot more similar to the main roster than it used to be, right? And that's uh, not even yeah. and that's not even because you have NXT guys and, and gals on the main roster. It's just it's okay. This is a WWE product, and this is sort of the way we do things. And here's what the video packages look like, and here's how many shows a year, here's how many special events or pay per views we have a year. So yeah. I think tonally you'll see some changes too, and that'll especially be true if, say, Vince is convinced that somebody from well, we need one of the, the our main roster writers down here writing scripts. We yeah. need the promos to be more scripted oh, than they are. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I think some of it's going to happen, I, and and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad because it still has to be this this level of quality if it's going to if people are going to watch it instead of watching. Uh, AEW, but I think ultimately the the risks are a lot lower for WWE here. They have this long-standing relationship with the USA, and if this doesn't work out, it won't be the first show they pulled from USA that are you know so. Yeah, and and um, you know, I have real questions about TNT's commitment to AEW, and I know it's beyond premature. The first episode hasn't uh, aired yet, but this is not Ted Turner's WCW, where you yeah. had a guy at the helm who uh, was so committed to wrestling as part of his programming uh, for, for decades and was was going to invest the resources into getting a Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and competing with Vince McMahon. For TNT, um, I think it's just some programming. I think it's sort of novel for them to dip their toe back in the waters of promoting wrestling. Uh, but ultimately, you know, they're, they're going to look at what the numbers are and if they don't get to where they want them to be relatively quickly, uh, you're, there's 10 other things that you could put into that time slot that might draw better ratings. And if that happens, that's a huge blow out of the gate to, to AEW. So uh, it, it's a long game for, for AEW, uh, but they're in a business with uh, TV people who maybe, you know, don't have the 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 most patience. I mean, that's wrestling is or, or uh, TV programming is is super fickle. I mean, you you hear about uh, TV shows being canceled uh, a week into their run. I remember it was the Paul Reiser show a few years ago on on uh, NBC. I think right. it literally got canceled in the middle of the first airing <laughs> uh, <laughs> because the numbers were so so bad. And not at all that I would expect that for AEW. But this thought that, you know, even if, you know, the ratings uh, don't do as well as uh, you'd want them to be, TNT is going to kind of, you know, stick with them, that kind of thing. I don't know. So we'll see. But again, that's a story from, from months, if not years from now. Uh, anyway, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you uh, looking to next Wednesday? I, I'm pretty near a 10. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. I uh it's it's exciting to have both of these things happening at once, and I I don't even know if all the exciting excitement zeroed in on that one night. I, I think it's just on what what the possibility right now is a time of possibility. What whatever happens, we the sky's the limit right now. We can imagine anything happening, and I think we're going to see some really big things in the month ahead. Months ahead, so just ready to ready for all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a fact that that competition is good, right? And and whenever we've seen. 
wrestling at its best. It's because uh, one promotion um, has been, you know, challenged by another, and and it makes everybody kind of raise their game. So uh, hopefully, what that's what we see here. Uh, all right, Kevin, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. We will be sure to have you back on soon. Sounds good. Right now, let's hear from one of the stars of Major League Wrestling, which is going to have a pay-per-view on November 2nd. It's Saturday Night Super Fight. You get more information at MLW.com. This is Davey Boy Smith Jr. Yeah, yeah I think uh, MLW is uh, a really kind of interesting product because there's so much uh, talk at the moment, obviously, about you know this perceived uh, competition between AEW and WWE and then New Japan kind of uh, coming to the United States and, and trying to get a foothold here and Ring of Honor still around and then kind of quietly MLW has been creeping up and and becoming a player uh can, can you talk about that was, was that one of of your reasons for joining the company uh absolutely you know I had a, a long history with Court Bauer dating all the way back to 2004 when he was a WWE uh, excuse me to the first major league wrestling and I was a part of that with the New Generation Heart Foundation at the time with myself, Tyson Kidd, who was uh, T.J. Wilson. We were the Stampede Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, it was funny going back to those days. I was uh, just, uh, you know, I was I already had quite a good uh, extensive wrestling background, but I was doing, I was in high school at the time, and I was doing my chemistry homework on the plane because I was getting ready for uh, finals. So doing that all the way to Miami and then wrestling, uh, you know, the Havana Pitbulls and uh, Bobby Quants and Puma, and then flying back home and then Monday morning being, you know, back at school for uh, for exams. So it's, it's kind, of a, kind of a neat story. So we had good history there. And then Court was also, uh, he had a tenure in WWE, a short one, but he was uh, a part of the writing team. Mm-hmm. And I had known him a little bit at that point, but I was just mostly doing dark matches and wrestling with guys like uh, Rob Conway, and uh, Matt Stryker, who's also been a part of MLW recently as a color commentator. And then I got contacted when Court was coming back with MLW. He had a podcast, and then he started with the company. And he really wanted to have um, Teddy Hart and myself on board. So it ended up working out, and he's... um, The nice thing about MLW is that there's... Uh, there's a certain level of freedom there and uh, flexibility, which is really cool. I think what's really nice is that court actually listens to me and I do know what I'm talking about. And so far what we've been showing on TV um, has been happening and it's been really, really cool. You know, when Teddy and I first came up on the MLW uh, last year, we were initially, we were, you know, we were heels and then, We've just so happened to, you know, just with the exposure and the way things have been going and with the, the, the Dynasty group coming out, we've gotten over as baby faces just sort of organically and naturally, which is good because the last thing that you want to do is that you want to be trying to, you know, last thing you want is to be stuffing a baby face down yeah. somebody's throat when they're when it's not working, you know. So, and I, I told Court, I said, hey, man, let's, let's flow with this. We got a good thing going with the dynasty. Like, you know, I think that with Alex Hammerstone being the big guy in the group, I can go up against him. And then, you know, you got MJF and holiday. I think MJF, he's just a huge superstar in the making as well. Mm-hmm. So that's been really cool. And, you know, I, I came up with, uh, 
with the with the heart foundation with the free bird rules as well because you know i said hey we can always switch it up and that was the way that the old free birds had done it and and you know there's not really any factions or groups in wrestling today and or none that i know of pardon me if there are letter three people were two out of the three it, it can be interchanged to defend the tag team titles unfortunately on saturday brian Tillman jr and teddy hart they lost the tag belts in a um ladder match but you know it was just a cool idea and it, and it worked because you know like say for instance maybe brian Tillman jr would be better in a match suited for like a ladder match like that and i might be better to team up with teddy if it's you know they got alex hammerstone or somebody else like a big guy you know have a the, the two big guys in there the two bulls going at each other so that was another good thing and it worked out and hopefully we win the tag team titles again and we can uh, keep that free bird rule going on as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you've worked and, and also uh, another another thing that I want to mention is, um, you know, uh, I think since MLW has ascertained Jim Cornette as a color commentator and a backstage, um, you know, uh, sort of producer type, he's been a real asset to the company. And I think that he's um, able to give it some good organization. He's got a lot of good ideas. And, uh, Jim and I, I really respect Jim. I know that a lot of people have different opinions on him, but for me, myself personally, I have to say that Jim is one of the smartest people that I've ever met in the wrestling business. And, uh, you know, it's been great having him on board, and he's got a lot of great advice, and he certainly has a lot to offer. When when you talk about Jim Cornette, the the word that comes to mind is tradition, right? And he's a guy, an, an old-school guy, do you think a wrestling company in 2019 benefits from some of those kind of old school views? You know, th- there's so much made now about innovating and finding, you know, a new way to do this and a new way to do that. Uh, and, and sometimes I wonder if, if you're not just better off going uh, more in the past than into the future. And I imagine that's some of what Jim brings, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what I was mentioning earlier about the Freebird rules with the uh, right. You know the interchanging. You know what's what's old is new, and you bring back old ideas like that and bring them forward. You know what? Sometimes they don't always work out. It it could depend on the wrestling company and the the style of wrestling. But you know what? It usually does work. Um, you know, I think that Jim. There's uh, oh boy, there's an old saying that my uncle Bruce Hart always You know. When you look at the history of wrestling and you look at the history of, like, let's say the cartoons, there's always a basic good versus evil, or there's always, you know, Popeye needs his spinach to finally, you know, take over and finally beat Pluto. But, you know, Bruce would always mention that the spinach, he would always use this analogy is that that's the wrestling fans, that you need to get them to believe in you and to invest their time and money into you and, 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 Know, build the crowds up and you want to make the people feel that like they're a part of it and they're the ones that are deciding but you know it's not always like that but that's there's always there's always basic kind of analogies like that that have always worked um i just don't think that uh things need to be super complicated like a lot of companies are making it like nowadays and the human brain sometimes although we are smart and intelligent people sometimes too much um too much action or too much verbiage or too much of anything you kind of uh it's not 
it's it's hard to digest. I'll I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. So you know, and and you know, less is more. But I'd say quality over quantity. That's the more important way to put it. Yeah. Where does MLW fit in in the uh, landscape right now? I mean, on on one hand, there's such an appetite now for kind of non WWE wrestling, and you're seeing a lot of promotions taking advantage of that. Uh, on the other hand, it makes for kind of a, a crowded landscape, right, with so many companies. Uh, uh, on TV, having a big presence at the same time, um, it it could be difficult, I would think, to kind of find your audience in such a crowded field. Uh, so, where do you think MLW fits in right now? Well, I, you know what, based on TV ratings and that sort of stuff, I can't comment on because, I, like, um, I just I haven't paid I haven't paid attention to that recently, so I, I can't say you know, where they are in the ratings war. I will say this, that since I've been a part of MLW, it's really augmented my career because they have the TV deal with BN Sports and people are able to, to tune in and watch me. So any form of TV is better than no form of TV, and it's great that if they're on BN Sports. I don't know where they, like, you know, if you were to place them in a in a race where MLW's at, uh financially or, or ratings wise i can't comment because i don't know i will say this that we're uh really creeping up and i think that mlw is going to be uh it's just going to keep getting more more and more successful and i think that they're going to be the competition pretty soon between aew and wwe you yeah. know I, I i really strongly believe that and the thing is that AEW that i or pardon me mlw that i really like and I told this to court, and I stressed it to him that you know you can have the Mexicans on your TV show. You know, the, um, there's a lot of great guys. So you know, he just brought in uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., who's a huge legend in Mexico. But I said you also need diversity. I said you need big guys like myself or Alex Hammerstone. You know that because people, those are the, the big money players, and that's something that I think Ring of Honor kind of. Um, with the exception of Bully Ray, who is, I think, a great heel on the on the TV product, but he never really has anybody to to go up against because there's no big guys, and people seem to have this uh, vision that fans just want to see fast, high-paced action all the time. Yeah. But they also want to see hard-hitting action. They want to see diversity. You know, they, they want to see divas. Uh, they want to see, you know, they want to see giants. So. Then since Courts listened to me on that, and you know he's brought in guys like Jacob Fatu, he just won the, mm-hmm. the World Heavyweight Championship. I think him and I, you know, going up against each other would be a great match. You know, to get the Samoan Dynasty versus basically whatever the Hart Dynasty is, and uh, you know, I think that would be an awesome match. That's that's history in the making right there. So there's the diversity in MLW, and I think that that's what because you got to cater to all different types of fan audiences, you know? Right, sure. So I think MLW is doing that. Yeah. And you're coming from a, a New Japan, which is a very much, no pun intended, a, a major league product, right? It's probably the, the second biggest promotion uh, in, in the world. Uh, for, for you, were, were you just ready to come back uh, over here to, to the States, uh, be closer uh, to home, uh, that, that kind of thing? Um, did, did you feel that you'd done pretty much everything uh, you were going to do in Japan? Yeah, I, I did. You know, there, the problem was was that New Japan was only the last 
conversations that I had uh, with them was that they were only giving me four tours a year. And I wasn't happy with my position being kind of stuck in a tag team with Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, that I felt that Lance is a great talent and I'm a great talent too, but I felt that the tag team had sort of expired mm-hmm. and there was only so many times that we could win the, you know, the new Japan tag belts or be sent to Noah, win the Noah tag belts, you know, where they had a little deal with the NWA, won the tag belts there for a while. So I just felt that, the way that they were treating me towards the end was not very good. And I found it to be disrespectful. And, uh, I think that there was a lot of heat about different things like me signing with MLW cause they're a competition with ring of honor. And there was just a, a lot of other things, the backstage stuff that I, I can't really get into right now cause we just don't have the time, mm-hmm. but I'll say this. They had the pencil and the eraser there and I could have, done a lot more great things in singles competition but for some reason they were stuck on a one-way path of just only having me in a tag team with Lance Archer why that was I'm not sure but I can almost compare my run there I'm not sure if you were ever familiar with Big Van Vader towards the end of his WWF career you know they sort of had him on Sunday Night Heat I think the last time I'd seen him on there he was he had lost the edge in like four minutes or something. And I just went, what the heck is go-? like, he's, he's not performing bad. He's per- still performing good. He's a big guy, he's, but they just storyline wise, they just didn't want to, I'm not sure if that was a Vince thing or, and then, you know, Vader, he quit and then he went to all Japan and then he crushed it there. I mean, he had amazing matches with, uh, Mizawa and Kabashi and, he, you know, and uh, teamed up with Stan Hansen and he kind of, rejuvenated his career and it really boomed his career by going to all Japan. So I'll say this much. Sometimes the change of scenery is a really good thing. And sometimes change can be the best thing. So I don't have any hard feelings against me, Japan. I don't understand why that they were so stern on not doing anything with me. And I was, I was getting over really well with the fans too. And we were having great matches, you know, like the New Year's uh, New Year's Eve dash match. I had with me and Lance Archer versus Will Ospreay and Tanahashi at Clark and Hall. Like, we tore it down, but he just they just didn't want to... Like, say, for instance, I, I, and I was really trying to bust my ass and work hard there. But at the same time, I could have shaved my hair into, like, the nasty boy, uh, like Brian Knobs' haircut and started working, like, Nails or Giant Gonzalez, and it wouldn't have mattered because they were so stubborn and stone-headed on the way that they were booking things. And I think that that's total crap because you have to let things happen organically. So, uh, yeah. But I, I never wanted to disappoint my fans over in Japan, so I always continued to work hard, but I just told them I had to move on. And there, was, there were, were other options like the MLW. I've had interest from Impact. I've had interest from... AEW from Jim Ross mostly, who he quoted, I, I was quoted quoting him from my friend and touted me. He said that Davey Boy Smith Jr. is the best wrestler in the world right now. Wow. Okay. Well, that's high and, praise. Yeah. Yeah. Very high praise and quite an encomium. And I don't believe that he would have said it if he didn't believe it. And I appreciate that. And I think that I definitely am up there pretty high up in the list right now. So MLW is really the place for me to be. And, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, 
when I did the one show, there was a live taping at the Melrose Ballroom with uh, Teddy Hart, myself, right. and Brian Tillman Jr., and we first debuted the uh, uh, Doomsday Canadian Destroyer. And I got so many tweets from, from that move, and I realized that I was getting more exposure and publicity from MLW, which is at that time was only on TV in, in North America, but now they've expanded to UK and other places. But I was getting more exposure from stuff like that than, than New Japan. They were never having me on Access TV, and they were never they were never promoting or pushing me. If that, if that was a personal thing or Gato didn't like me, then so be it. So that was another reason why I, I uh, chose MLW was because I could see that um, the recent TV exposure was really augmenting my career. Yeah, it was clear that, you know, second half of last year, first half of this year, uh, just your name was out there more. I think there was more a buzz on you, and uh, you did become this guy that became this hot commodity, right? Even being being around as long as you were, it's like sort of folks who rediscovered you and realized here's a guy who is still pretty young, uh, has has the look, has the size, has the the family lineage, um, why why isn't more being done with this guy? Do, do you feel that? I mean, when that buzz is out there, does it come back to you? Do you get a feeling that, like, yeah, I'm kind of a hot thing right now. I've got to cash in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing that, I, that I've been, that's been really important to me is, you know, your image is really important to the wrestling fans. And I don't mean that just, uh, like, what you're doing in the ring, but, you know, I've been recently getting a lot of wrestling gear made, a lot of tracksuits made from a guy named Busio from Mexico, and he does uh, all of Rey Mysterio's masks. He does uh, Phoenix and Pentagon, all their wrestling gear. I find him to be the best guy out there. And I felt that, you know, being sort of rediscovered on MLW and whatever I was doing with New Japan, that it was important for me to change my image, like my wrestling gear look and, you know, go with more colors, go with more flashy stuff. You know, as, as much as I love the, the tag team with Lance, but the, the KES gear just never really suited me. And if I stuck with that, with uh, kind of whatever, that like the black gear that I had going to MLW, I just don't think it would have suited me. And I wanted to kind of, you know, sort of move on from that. Dusty Rhodes, he was one guy that kind of taught me that. He said, anytime when you're, Switching companies or switching over from a heel to a baby base or vice versa. He goes, he goes, colors are really, really important. He said, you want to, you want to always be, you know, changing them. You want to be standing out. So that yeah. was something else that, that was, that's important to me. And, you know, the thing is, is that I find that wrestling gear is really, really important. And my, you know, my father, Macho Man Randy Savage, they always had like really, really amazing, like flashy, cool different like when you know my dad would be hitting the ropes and he had the, 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 the yeah the tassels and everything mm-hmm. so you want to stand out so all that what you're doing in the ring is really important too but you also want to find something that's unique and you want to stand out like that not just wear the kick pads with the garbage bag pants <laughs> and uh you know what i'm you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah yeah I think a lot so of people saw co- that colors were important you know so yeah 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 i think a lot of people kind of discovered your new fashion sense at the uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony, right? With with your jacket uh, uh, there. Yeah. 
and the people I think a lot of WWE fans not having seen uh, you since you were there last time I think even for them it was like well this is a, a different guy than we remember was that deliberate in your part I mean did you kind of see that knowing that this was going to be a big audience uh, an American audience who hadn't seen you uh, a while did you want to deliver that message I'm, I'm not the uh, the David Hart Smith you remember Oh, absolutely. Uh, that was that was exactly what I wanted to to put forward. And you know what? Like when I'm wearing these tracksuits, because I get them all specially made. When I wear them at airports, or uh, you know, usually I'm wearing them when I travel because they're comfortable. But also, I'm in a way I'm promoting my own brand because I'll tell you one thing: if you're not promoting yourself, nobody else is going to do it for you. Yeah. And my good friend Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, he taught me that, and he because uh, I had met him. Uh, not too long ago, we had coffee, and he liked my outfits, and he said that that was a really good and smart idea on my part. He said, because you have to promote yourself. And he said, one of the things, he can't be in this he said that years ago, he went to do a show for Herbert Davis, uh, UWS, and I think he said he was getting a check for 1500 and with a check bounce. But when he was on that trip to Vegas for a show, he brought... Um, uh, a jacket with their aces and a bunch of flashy stuff for a thousand. He said, you know, he goes, the last time because the check bounced, but he was like, when I went to Japan the next time, he goes, I wore that same jacket for, he's like, for about five years. And he goes, when I went and debuted it, he goes, everyone was just going like, whoa. So yeah, I think he had something I was playing on before, but you know, colors are important. And that's, that was something that's, uh, Teddy Hart has kind of, influenced me in a, in a good way on because um people want to be inspired by you and they you know like when i wear my outfits in the uh airports and other places right away i have all kinds of people talking to me and asking me who i am and, you know i tell them to watch bn sports every oh. saturday for mlw tell them who my father was that's like that's how you gotta billboard. build it yeah you gotta yeah you gotta promote yourself you know yeah yeah and be so, and be, be comfortable with it so yeah so, so uh, that night at, at the Hall of Fame, you talk about that being kind of uh, intentional. Did you see, I mean, obviously the first priority is, is to, to honor your family and, and your uncles. Um, but did you see it as, look, this is an opportunity. I haven't, I haven't been here in a while. I can make some connections. Uh, who knows what this could lead to. So, so was, was that on your mind at the time? Yeah, you know what, it was, and that was also another thing, I don't want to keep going back to the New Japan thing, but I had told New Japan because they they were very, very disorganized about their Ring of Honor show that they were having at MSG that same night. Right. And they wouldn't give me a straight answer on if I was going to be on it or not. And I just, I had asked them and asked them, and I felt like being a pest, and they still said they didn't know, which, you know, when you're going a few weeks leading up to you, what's going to be your WrestleMania. And if you don't know what the card is, I mean, you guys are a bit right. disorganized like WCW was. So I just, I told them, I said, honestly, between Bloodsport, MLW, we did two months worth of TV in two days. I had the Pancakes with Piledriver show, uh, mm -hmm. some other afternoon show. Believe me, by the time Saturday night rolled around, I was absolutely beat. And that Bloodsport match took a lot out of me as well. I'm not sure if, anybody's seen that but they should tune in and that was a great match to have with Tiller Cross so I told New Japan and I said listen I know Lance Archer and I are a tag team but I said I would rather I don't really care about doing this Ring of Honor show because you guys obviously don't know if I'm on it 
or not. And if I'm not important enough to be showcased in an important match or in something that's special, I said I would rather go and honor my uncle Jim Neidhart at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I said because to me that obviously, you know, what what would have been better, me being in a pointless match on Ring of Honor and missed, you know, the, my uncle Jim's Hall of Fame or, you know, perhaps missed uh, the opportunity to go and protect my uncle Bret Hart in the ring. Right, I was so going to say you, that you and, ended up in probably the most watched fight of the weekend. Yeah. And, you know, and to, to be honest with you, I, I don't really care about doing uh, Madison Square Garden because I did it when I was in WWE and I had two really awesome experiences before. One with uh, Tyson Kidd. <clears throat> we opened up the card in front of a live MSG crowd that was sold out. We tore the house down. And then in my second um, appearance there was the Bret Hart Appreciation Night where myself, Tyson Kidd, and Bret Hart, we took on Nexus in the main event. So I right. said, honestly, I said, keep the match, give it to somebody else. But I said, it doesn't, you don't have to keep Lance off the card because KES won't be there. So still use him. But I said, I'm, I just, I couldn't be bothered to do it, you know, with that lousy New York traffic and everything, I yeah, probably sure. wouldn't have been able to do both anyway. But going back to your thing, they were, I think New Japan was kind of salty on that because, you know, like as if I had a big head or something. But yeah, but no, I, I did look at it as a good opportunity to, to talk to WWE. Um, the doors are certainly open for me to return to WWE. Like I said, I had, I'm a good friend of uh, Johnny Ace's, John Laurinaitis. And although he's not in the position to be hiring talent, he's definitely... Uh, still very high up in the company, and his opinion is certainly respected. And Johnny's a great guy, but I think for now I, um, I'm i getting a lot of great momentum with MLW, and I believe that the plan is to put uh, the World Heavyweight, whenever I get the chance to challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship, that I'm going to have a run with that. So since we've got momentum going with MLW currently, and I'm, I am signed to a contract with them, I'd like to stay with that for now and just, just keep growing off that and then eventually, you know, make that switch over. But um, it's certainly nice to, that the doors are open uh, at, at whatever point that that may happen. But, yeah, um, yeah so. Yeah. Do, do you think about where you are? Because I was just looking up uh, your age and your dad's age when he passed away. And you guys are pretty close in age, right? I mean, uh, you're both in, in your 30s. Uh, do you think about that all? I mean, uh, intentionally or kind of subconsciously, do you compare where you're at to where your dad was at um, throughout your career? You know, at, at this age, my dad was doing whatever. Is, does any of that go on in your head? You know what? At, people have asked me, and I, not not necessarily, you know. I just, uh, all that I try to do is, well, like I said, like, because I'm 33 now. And uh, it's important for me not to make any career mistakes at, at this point because, you know, like I said, if I have a title run with MLW or if I uh, perhaps go to another company in, in Japan, you know, there's, there's still a good age. There's still a good gap there because probably when I go to WWE, that'll be, that's where you're going to be until, you know, you retire. or mm-hmm. So um, so that's that's kind of where, where I'm at my in my head thinking right now but as far as right now goes i'm training really really hard i'm stronger than i've ever been um i'm going to be training with uh, my good old friend josh rafferty and, and jake hager down here and doing getting back into my mma training 
Mm-hmm. I have a big match with uh, Timothy Thatcher coming up July 25th at the Melrose Ballroom, which I think that um, if anybody checked out Bloodsport or saw my matches uh, there with Killer Cross or Timothy Thatcher with the Hideki Suzuki, it's going to be a really awesome scientific wrestling match and a lot of hard-hitting, strong style in there as well. So for right now, I've, um, you know, like I said, I've got a meal plan in my fridge and I'm, I'm diving, and it's really important yeah. that I keep, in, in Japanese there's a saying called Kaizen, and it means improvement. And as long as there's even small amounts of improvement every day, those equal up to big big improvements. Yeah. And although you don't you don't necessarily see that over time because but some people when they see me they see me personally go, damn, I go, geez, you really leaned out or man, you look looking big or you're moving good in the ring. I said, yeah. Oh thanks man. I go, Well do I really look different than I watched an old video for six months ago? Oh shoot. So that's really important for me and to do my best and it's really um nice to hear i've gotten a lot of great feedback from my fans and support that were um respected my decision to quit new japan and they've been more interested to see what i'm doing now with mlw and to see um all the great stuff i've been doing with teddy hart i have a match with alex hammerstone that was filmed last week and it will air this saturday 9 p.m eastern standard time I can't give away what happens at the very end, but I will say this. It was a very hard-hitting match, and I think that the fans should turn, tune in and see it. See two big guys hitting each other hard and stiff, having a good, solid match, and uh, hopefully they enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know you've been involved in tag teams uh, throughout the years. What's it like working with, with family when, when you talk about Teddy Hart and, and to a lesser extent, uh, Brian Pillman, who I know is not a member of the family, but kind of the extended family, is it uh, is is there more of a comfort there? Do you have kind of a shorthand with these guys that you don't have with another partner? Uh, yeah, I, I found that uh, I honestly I found that a lot better uh, chemistry with with Ted over Lance, and that wasn't that, that's not because you know that's not saying anything bad about Lance. You guys have to realize that I've, I, I literally grew up wrestling and wrestling in the dungeon and even wrestling in, at Ted's dad's gym with Teddy Hart and his younger brother, Matt, that passed away. So there's always going to be that natural amount of chemistry, whether it's like, uh, you know, Chavo Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero. There's yeah. always that natural chemistry, whether they work with each other, whether they're teaming up with each other, that's going to be different than, you know, Chavo and Gilo Browners or whoever it is that they had him teaming up with in the past so there's always that natural chemistry and i like the fact that and don't get me wrong lance and i we had a great run as, and we had a we were a really strong dominant team but i also like the fact that you know with ted and myself it's kind of like a little bit similar to davy boy smith from dynamite kid where you mm-hmm. got the power and the the size and the, the strength with davy where you have that with me and then you have ted who's kind of the polar opposite and the way that he's a high flyer, but he's also a very, very polished technical wrestler. Wrestler, And uh, Teddy's got a lot of charisma. So I think that we both give back and forth to each other in the ring. And, uh, you know, we can go in there, just do things like, you know, just go in there and perform. And just, it's like putting on a glove. It's just, you don't even think about it. And you just feed off the fans. So that's really, that's really great. I haven't, gotten a chance to team up with a whole lot with Brian Pillman Jr., but I also do feel that there's some good chemistry there as well, and Brian 
I've been really uh, happy for his success. I think that he's made huge leaps and bounds um, with himself professionally. And he's also taken a lot of my advice to heart, and it's been working for him, which is great. Um, he's, he's I think a good that he's going to have guys, continued. Right? Yes, he is, and I think that he'll have continued success. And he just needs um, he just needs the right guidance, and he just needs uh, the right experience, and he just needs the right opponents to um, to help him. And 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 obviously. Uh, you're in a good position to, to give him that advice because your stories uh, are are so similar. So in 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 advising him or any other second generation wrestler, I, I think obviously you're somebody who embraces that family legacy. Where others, not that they hide from it, but um, you know you, you see uh, wrestlers who are second generation uh, competitors who, you know, have different names, uh, d- don't run toward um, that uh, family uh, legacy. And again, not necessarily hiding from it, but more wanting to create uh, their their own legacy, their own character. Um, you've always embraced your, your family, and, and you took your father's name, uh, Davey Boy Smith uh, Jr. So uh, what what is that decision and... I don't know that Brian Pillman Jr. has ever asked, but um, what would you say to him about, you know, balancing those two, em- embracing the legacy that's left behind by your father, especially when your father is one of the greats of all time, and or becoming your own man? You know what? That's a very, that's a very, very good question. And I will tell you this much. It's always been an honor to uh, go out there and honor my family's name and tradition and but I do feel, and I've talked a little bit about this with Court. Um, I honestly, I wanted to switch the name back to Harry Smith at at some point, and I was almost wanting to do it sooner than later. And it wasn't that um, I I wanted to get away from my my dad's image or anything, but I, I did want to kind of become my, you know, go back to being my own person. And I feel that sometimes people that know me personally. And then they go to do commentary. They always there's always that little bit of mix up. Like Jim Clarence says, "God damn, I want to keep calling you Harry, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta remember that." So th- there's always a little bit of that issue. But I think that the David Wilson Jr. name was was worked really well, and it was it was a cool you know change. But I I do want to go back to being called Harry Smith at some point. Um, and I, I talked to Court, and we're we're not going to do it quite yet. That's that, that is a good question, and yes, I do want to go back to that. But I, I do feel that there's um, there's a lot of natural chemistry and, and charisma that I have with, with dogs, actually, in general. And I've been wanting to take a, a bulldog or a Japanese toaster to, like, for special occasions down to the ring as my mascot. I actually took one down to the ring when Teddy Hart and I we won the tag belts at uh, BCW Arena. Mm-hmm. MLW. It was really cool. It was just a new thing, but um, I always have felt that I've had a special relationship with dogs. I think yeah. that dogs can feed off people's energies, and I trust a dog that doesn't like a human over a human that doesn't like a dog. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Did your so dad there's, really there's, like dogs? Oh, yeah. He loved them. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I, I like to represent, you know, I have a paw print on my knee pad or a paw print on my, you know, enticing kid, he loved his cats. You know, he had, yeah. I think, his cat's <laughs> spray painted on his kick pad. So, you know, you, you, whatever you're doing in the ring, it's got to, it's got to be, 
you got to kind of be who you are out there. You know what I'm saying? And I feel that it's taken a while and there's been times where it was used differently and stuff like that. But I found that I've kind of, kind of come into my own at this point and I'm very, very excited for the opportunities and the future with MLW. And I think that we're going to continue to grow off this. So that's very important for me. But like I said, that, that is a good question. And yes, I do kind of want to become my own person, but there are aspects of what my dad was or what Brad was or what Owen Hart was or Jim was that I like to cultivate and create myself as well when I'm out in the ring. I think you found a, a good balance, and, and obviously you're a guy who watches a lot of old wrestling. You, you, you've uh, referenced I don't know how many times just in our conversation here uh, some wrestlers from the past. When when you're watching old wrestling and your your dad pops up, what's it like for you? Is it does it bring to uh, a smile to your face? Um, do you dig in and and study and watch more closely, or is it hard for you? Is, is it a little sad to see your dad on on a TV? No, not at all. It's- it is always a very, very uh, uh, pleasant and pleasurable experience for myself. You know, I just had found uh, someone had posted, his name's Matt D on YouTube, but I don't know who this guy is, but he's been posting all kinds of weird matches. Re- I mean, really rare matches. Like there's a baby versus Kobashi match from 1990 from a, like a handheld. And there's a Dynamite Kid and Henry Smith versus and Kobashi, which was, a fantastic match and probably Dynamite Kids last great match where they won the tag titles. So it's really, really great to see stuff like that. I'm always kind of um, one of those guys that's trying to investigate and find like old random rare stuff like that as opposed to, I mean, there's, I, cause I've pretty much seen everything that's aired on TV, right? So I'm always looking for, you know, whatever might be rare and, and somebody has on handhelds. But I don't know who this guy is, but there's some really cool stuff he's been posting. But, no, it, it's always great to see stuff like that. It doesn't make me uh, feel sad or uh, uncomfortable at all. That's cool. Yeah, one one thing I remember seeing uh, that you just reminded me of, kind of a rare video, was it was some kind of news footage from Germany, from WCW in the early 90s when they took a tour of Germany, and um, it was like... Um, a meet and greet with your dad and some fans backstage at a WCW show. And, uh, yeah, I had never seen anything like that. And WCW was kind of struggling at the time. So it was a little, a neat little video, uh, that I saw. So, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyhow, thanks so much for, for doing this. I appreciate it. We're definitely going to get word out. Awesome. And I will just make one more mention. If fans can follow me on Instagram at DB Smith jr. And it's at DB Smith jr. On Twitter as well. All right. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Have Have a a great one. one. All right. Bye-bye.